The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. From more terror in Afghanistan to a dangerous theological era, we've got you covered today. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. You know, just when you think that things really can't get any worse than they are in Afghanistan, they get worse. Now, the terrible, tragic reports coming of the latest news, bombings by the Kabul airport. We'll talk about that today. We'll take your Jewish-related calls or, or even calls on broader subjects relating to Islam. Here's the number to call, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. This is Michael Brown. Glad to be back live in studio I hope you appreciated the programming earlier this week. Started off the week talking about my own testimony in, in greater depth than I normally do. The, the descent into drugs and sin and God's amazing redemption. So I hope you were edified by that. If you missed that, that was the Monday broadcast. Then Tuesday, I talked about the persecuted church. Talked about suffering of believers around the world, suffering believers in Islamic countries. And then focused on Pakistan where we spoke well, virtually face-to-face, you didn't get to see a face intentionally, with a bold Pakistani pastor who was in the States, uh, spoke with him on Tuesday. And then yesterday, interviewed my colleague, Professor James Beverly, about Jehovah's Witnesses and why they're losing members. So if you missed any of those broadcasts, by all means, check them out at AskDrBrown.org or on our YouTube channel, Brown. Ask Dr. Brown. And again, today... Our focus, Thoroughly Jewish Thursday, Jewish-Israel related. We've got some news from Israel. We've got some news about the meeting with President Biden and Prime Minister Bennett. We'll be talking about all those things. And I do want to discuss a dangerous theological error that's found in some Christian Zionist circles. We'll get to that as well. But the headlines today... And as you're watching, we'll just put some images on the screen. Otherwise, we'll just talk our way through this. But bombings outside of the Kabul airport. So, again, it's, it's, a, it's a chaotic scene there to start. You've got thousands of people swarming the area, swarming the airport, desperate to get out. Uh, Americans, Afghanis, desperate to get out. They do not want to be there under the Taliban especially those that have been working with America, let alone just women, young women in general, let alone Christians. So people doing their best to flee the country. I mean, images of, of little babies being passed through the crowd and then throw them over barbed wire fence to, to somebody else to get them out of the country. Uh, uh, one American woman, I read the account, it was just jarring that she's there close to the gates then there's a swarm of people, and next thing, a stampede, and she loses her two-year-old daughter. Where's her two-year-old daughter? She can't find a two-year-old daughter. When she finds her, she's been trampled to death. This is from a few days back. Now, uh, talk of this being ISIS, ISIS being revived, yet, yet another place for them to expand their, their terror outreach, and with its suicide bombings. And now, uh, many calls for President Biden to resign and calls for him to be impeached. One Republican congressman said, look, if, if President Trump could be impeached for a phone call, how much more for this debacle? And 
like many others, I do not believe that Joe Biden is operating at full capacity. That seems self-evident. You add in to the fact, well, you, you, you add in to the fact that he has these life and death decisions to be making and may not be listening to the counsel around him as much as he needs to or may not be getting the best of counsel and on and on. It's, it, is, it is a real crisis. It's a real crisis. Now, let's just talk about it for a moment, dispassionately. I started to write an article about if this was Trump as president, what the left-wing media would be doing. I started to write about that, and then I thought, that's a stupid article, because what the left-wing media would be doing to Trump is what the right-wing media is doing to Biden. So there you have it. I mean, that's, that's the reality. But let's not make this partisan political now. Reports of 12 servicemen, 12 Americans killed in the bombings. Now, do you realize that until now, until these recent days, that no American servicemen had died in Afghanistan since February of last year? So you're talking roughly a year and a half roughly a year and a half without anyone dying. So we were there to stop the thwart of terror. We were there to hold back certain wrong destructive forces, but it was not in an ongoing way that life-threatening or dangerous, relatively speaking. Now, every casualty is a tragedy. If that was your family member, that's a tragedy. And I understand that. I'm not downplaying that. Or the 2,400 servicemen that, that died in our 20 years there. I'm simply saying that it was relatively peaceful, relatively. And now, all chaos breaking loose, this has been terribly mishandled by President Biden. Now you say, no, Trump started the bad policies. He started negotiating with the Taliban. He started releasing various terrorists. He was working on an agreement with the Taliban and tribal factions that was going to bypass the government, and you don't negotiate with terrorists, and there's still terrorists and all that. Fair questions. Fair points. How much of this was started by Trump policy? How much of this was started with a a wrong approach in the first place? And frankly, I don't know what the right approach is on the ground in Afghanistan. I'm not the one to to tell America, but this is the way to handle it. I've got all the answers for you. But for sure, for sure, we would not have had this crisis if it was not completely mishandled by the Biden administration. And President Trump posted something the other day, and he made his share of mistakes, for sure. Not arguing with that in his presidency. But he posted something, because he can't tweet. And he posted something and said this. He said, this is the right way to do it. First, you get all the Americans out. And I would say with that, those that, that have been helping and working together as allies within the country, you give them the option of getting out. Then he said, next thing is, you get all your equipment out. Otherwise, you're arming the terrorists with state-of-the-art latest military technology, you get all your equipment out, then you bomb your buildings, you know, whatever your bases are, and then you get your military out. It would seem to to be self-evident. Why? Friends, why did it have to happen the way it happened? For what reason? Can anyone give me a good reason of pulling out the military before you get our citizens out or others that have been working with us? Why? It endangers the, the, the NATO allies and others working together. And it's, it's mind-boggling. 
And if, in fact, President Biden was warned by other experts around him not to do things the way he did, the real tragedy, the greatest tragedy in that would be if he did it simply to score political points, thinking we're going to have our people out, 9-11 is going to come around, we'll be able to say we're out of there. So it's a real concerning moment. Uh, and, and it could get worse. It could get worse. I'm hoping to get on the air uh, a longtime colleague and friend going back to the 80s, Rudy Atala. I understand he was on Glenn Beck's broadcast recently. And he is heading up a project Glenn Beck is helping fund of getting people Af- out of Afghanistan. And I just talked to a mutual friend right before the show that they have gotten out, I believe, 1,700 people from Afghanistan so far. Now, I don't know how many are Americans, how many are Afghans that we've been working with. I'm not sure about that. But there are people on the ground trying to help. So pray that God would give our government wisdom. If if it's not to President Biden, then let it be to military or security people that he, he listens to or other foreign leaders. May God give our government wisdom. That's the first thing, to do the right thing. Secondly, may God intervene in the midst of the crisis in Afghanistan and and turn this chaos into something that can have a redemptive silver lining. And may he strengthen the believers in that country. May he strengthen the believers in that country. Now, look, let's be honest. The partisan political sword cuts both ways. Let's be honest. And, and there are people, when Trump was president, their last concern was the Afghan population. Let's get our people out of there. And after they're a Muslim country, they're their own country. They do what they want to do. That's their business. Let's get our people out of there. Now that there's been the disaster and the debacle under the Biden administration, and there's the realization of what this is going to mean for the Afghan people, especially for the women and the girls, along with the Christians. But the Christians are a tiny, tiny minority. You've got so many women and girls and, and the rights that they will lose and their futures that will be forfeit. And now you've got a, 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 many of the same Trump supporters saying, yeah, what about the people of Afghanistan? So, look, we're, we could all be hypocritical. You, you criticize the one, you praise the other, you justify it when you do it, you condemn someone else when they do it. We could all do that. There's, there's no place for that right now. It's not helpful. Let us pray that God's kingdom will be advanced in the midst of this and that even the tragedy and the chaos and the pain, that God will work for good, that, that somehow there'll be an awakening among the people of Afghanistan. Because remember, you're talking about the Taliban as radical Muslims but the people of, of Afghanistan are, are largely devout Muslims. In other words, they, they were not fighting Islam as much as this more radical form of Islam. So let's pray for awakening. Let's pray for, for supernatural protection. Let's pray for wisdom for the American government as we interact. And, and look, is China going to try to seize the moment and have a greater influence in Afghanistan? Yeah, if, if you are a world player... With nefarious goals, you'll try to seize whatever moment you can. So how do we pray, Lord, may your name be hallowed in Afghanistan. Lord, your kingdom come to Afghanistan. Your will be done in Afghanistan on earth as it is in heaven. 
We are praying for the advancing of the kingdom of God in the midst of Islamic terror, in the midst of suicide bombings, in the midst of chaos, pain, terrible human loss, people weeping and screaming and grieving, even as I speak. We are praying for God's kingdom to be advanced, for the Lord's name to be hallowed, for God to bring good out of evil and light out of darkness. May the mercy and compassion of God be poured out on all who look to him in Afghanistan. And again, may he give government leaders in America and around the world wisdom, and may he bring the leaders, radical Islamic leaders, bring them to repentance, and may he intervene to stop their evil. In Yeshua's name, in Jesus' name, amen. Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. You know, there is always joy in the presence of the Lord. Welcome to Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. It's Michael Brown. Here's the number to call with any Jewish related question of any kind, but We'll expand, as we often do on a Thursday, if you have something that relates to Islam. We'll talk about that as well. 866-34-TRUTH. In God's presence is fullness of joy. There's a time to dance. There's a time to mourn. And right now, in some parts of the world, there's dancing, celebration, rejoicing, great things happening, and God moving. In other places like Kabul, great pain, great anguish. May the Lord intervene and have mercy. So to underscore what we're dealing with. This is an Islamic scholar in Canada. This talk was picked up by Memory TV. This is out of Israel, and they monitor around the world, but especially in the Middle East and in Iran. They monitor what happens in mosques. They either have secret recording devices or they pick up feeds that go out in other places, and it could be in Arabic, it could be in Farsi, and then they translate these into English, into Hebrew, and you get to see firsthand what's being said. In some cases like this, uh, the, for the most part, this Islamic leader is speaking in English, and then at the end he gets into Arabic, so we won't play that. But I want you to hear what he has to say as he mocks America, as he mocks Canada, as he mocks Jews and Christians. Listen to what he has to say. They're willing to spend mountains of gold in order to take us away from Al-Islam. So they will spend it. But don't fear. At the end of the day, they're not going to win. Allah tells us, so they will spend it. Then it will be for them a source of regret. Hmm, a source of regret. 20 years in Afghanistan. I don't need to say anymore. A source of regret. Then they will be overcome. Does this sound familiar to you? Have you been listening to the news? They will attack what is most sacred to us. But all of that that they do is only a small portion of what is really in their hearts. 
of the hatred that they have towards us in their hearts. Do not think that the Jews and the Christians are our friends. They are our enemies. I incite you to show support for your brothers in Afghanistan who want to establish the Sharia in their land. We see that the West wants to talk about the rights of women. The rights of women. Ah, yes. Her right to be a prostitute. Her right to sleep around with whomever she wishes. I want you to understand what those rights are, by the way. Her rights to be abused. Her right to show her body off to men who get off on watching her in porn and in other than that. Right, so number one, he's telling this Muslim congregation, again, this is an Islamic scholar in Canada, he's telling this Muslim congregation, Jews and Christians are not your friends, that the attack in Taliban and the attack on Islamic terror around the world is just a fraction of what's in our hearts to do to destroy Islam. Uh, does he say that, in fact, he's in Canada and Muslims are in America because of the goodwill of the North American peoples, that there is no one attacking them and they are free to practice their faith as long as they're not trying to attack others? Does he say that the reason that we got into Afghanistan in the first place was because the Taliban gave quarter to Osama bin Laden. That was it. President Bush said, release him to us, turn him over to us, and you'll be fine. You're not our enemies. But when they became the friend of our enemy, they became our enemy after the atrocities of 9-11. So uh, this, this uh, rhetoric is just meant to excite, incite more hatred. And then stand with the Taliban, stand with Sharia law, no, we're not looking for the women of Afghanistan to dress like women in America. No, we're not looking for the women of Afghanistan to go to the beach in bikinis. No, we're not looking for the women of Afghanistan to, to get into porn. No, we're looking for girls to be educated beyond the age of eight. We're looking for women to have opportunities uh, it, it, to fulfill dreams and visions and to, to be doctors and to serve in many other ways in the society. We're, we're looking for people to not live under the threat of Sharia law. Yeah, those, those opportunities we're looking for. But no, we can't present it like that. And that's also a big thing that fuels Islam is the decadence of the West. And this is supposed to be a Christian country. And Islam looks at us and says, if that's Christian, we don't want it. This is a further issue to deal with and overcome. May God touch that man. And may he have a Saul of Tarsus experience and encounter the real Savior and the real Lord. May God grant him repentance. 866-34-TRUTH. Ah, you know what? I was going to take a call that was relating to a subject where I was going, but I guess our caller couldn't hang on. It was a question I wanted to address. If you do have a question for me, any Jewish-related question of any kind, 866-34-TRUTH. According to a recent headline, Israeli military authorities are blasting the Biden administration. Daily Wire headline, Israeli military officials blister Biden's Afghanistan pullout withdrawal created a hotbed of terror. All right, let me, let me take you back and bring you into an Islamic revolutionary concept. I talked about it in my book, The New Edition, Revolution, and Urgent Call 
to a holy uprising. But first edition came out in the year 2000, second edition 2020. And in the book, I talk about an Islamic terrorist who was involved with a group of people that would, they, they, had, they had a, a number of, of lines of, of strategy. They had the, the assassins that go out and, and kill people. And then they had the, the ones that would go out and educate, and it's just these different lines of strategy. In fact, the ones that would kill people would smoke hash first to get into an, an altered state of consciousness and to be more frenzied and going out and carrying out their attacks. And the hush-hush smoking hash became assassin. That's where the word assassin comes from, hush-hashin, something like that, basically. But in any case, one of the strategies was to have liberated zones. And this is a well-known military strategy. And we, we've talked about it in different contexts. A liberated zone. So let's just say you are in a pitch battle uh, against a military battle, and you're, you're trying to retake a city that's been taken by the enemy. But, but you are stranded. You are on the outskirts. You are scattered. Somehow you need a liberated zone. You, you need to get to a place and secure that place so that it can't be attacked, or you're relatively safe there, and then set up your communications there, other things. Then from there, from that liberated zone, you can then spread out because you have room to breathe, room to regroup, get your communications going, and, and from that base you go out. So they would have liberated zones for the spread of Islam. And, and I've taken that over on the gospel end in terms of be it our local churches or be it our home groups or be it our own families or be it a community where the gospel is spread that that these become liberated zones where we come together where we get our heads clear where we pray where we strategize and we reach out not with a message of hate and violence but with a message of love and the gospel okay so what's that got to do with afghanistan all of afghanistan in that sense or especially pockets of afghanistan but at this point the whole country can be a liberated zone for terror groups. Now, obviously, they're going to have conflicts among them. They're not all going to get along, and they're competing for certain similar goals, and obviously they want income, and they want the sex slaves, the women, and the various things like that. And in Afghanistan, the, the, the heroin, the opium. But you now have a place where not just the Taliban thrive, but al-Qaeda gets revived. Leaders can go there and be safe and not be on the run so much. And now ISIS can get revived. And then remember the way this is being put out by the, uh, by the terrorists or, or by this is Islamic cleric that we just listened to a moment ago. This is a victory for Islam. And this now rallies people together. Do you know that on the one hand, after 9-11, People were appalled at radical Islam, and it, it caused many people to question what it meant to be a Muslim. But in many other ways, it was a rallying point. Look at what Islam has done. It has struck the heart of the West. It has, it has mocked the great Satan on his own shores and, 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 and Allahu Akbar and so on. And so this now, the victory in, in Afghanistan... By default, by default, by America pulling out the way it did, just handing them this victory. 
on a silver platter, now a bloody silver platter, tragically. So what happens is now that it opens the door for the whole nation to be flooded with terrorist groups. And it's a big enough country and a country where you can get lost in the mountains easily enough that, that now you have a potential hotbed for terror and a rallying point. Look at what the Taliban did. Look at the humiliation of America. And then it, it, it brings up more and more radicals. They, they leave where they are and they join together to fight for the cause of Allah. And of course, tens of millions of Muslims, hundreds of millions are repulsed by this. They're more moderate. They hate this. They say this is not our faith. But plenty others, it's exactly who they are. We'll be right back. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Me, his grace and his face shine upon you. Thanks for joining us, friends, on Thoroughly Jewish Thursday on the Line of Fire. Just during the break, before rejoining you now, and some just tuning in, joining you, um, looking at headlines again, it's, it's the same, but distressing. Quote, extremely active threats. At least 12 U.S. service members brutally slain in Afghan terror blast. World waits to hear from Biden. Nikki Haley, other Republicans demand Biden resignation after massacre. Worst case scenario, Americans will likely be left behind after deadly blast ravaged Kabul. Sources say, paying in blood, U.S. US staring down worse fears after Biden chose stupidest option, according to Representative Dan Crenshaw, and on and on. So earlier in the broadcast, for those just tuning in, we talked about what's happening in Afghanistan and even prayed the Lord's Prayer with reference to Afghanistan. So let's continue to do that. And uh, Prime Minister Bennett from Israel has been scheduled to meet with President Biden. This will be their first face-to-face with either of them uh, as national leaders. And I just want to take a little while to talk about that and go through an article in the Jerusalem Post. Now, I just want to say that this article predates the bombing today in Kabul. So I don't know what will shift, how things will shift as a result of that. Uh, you know, obviously priorities change, thinking's change. Uh, but let's, let's just take a look at this article, I want to go through some of it. Uh, Bennett to Americans, we want stability, but not two states. So his his goal for his meeting first with with uh, with Blinken and and then with Biden is for the Americans to understand that the Prime Minister's line is to preserve stability without taking reality changing steps. So before we dig in the article, just a summary is that on the one hand he said we will not expand settlements in the so-called West Bank, so Judea Samaria, we won't expand those settlements, but we're not going to negotiate with Mahmoud Abbas either, leader of the Palestinian Authority. So we're not going to consider two states, and we're not going to expand settlements. We're just going to keep the status quo right now, and that's where we're standing. So let's, let's just go through some of this article 
in the Jerusalem Post. Uh, so Israel will not negotiate with Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas while, Abbas while Prime Minister Naftali Bennett is in office, a diplomatic source said on Wednesday, just yesterday. Bennett is in Washington for a series of high-level meetings culminating with one in the White House with U.S. President Joe Biden, which he plans to focus on the Iranian threat. The Prime Minister seeks to reach shared principles on countering Iran with Biden, preferably with a public statement such as never letting Iran attain a nuclear weapon instead of just not on my watch, as Biden said in the past. Bennett's goal for his meeting with U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, set to take place after press time was press time yesterday, was for the Americans to understand that the Prime Minister's line is to preserve stability without taking reality-changing steps. Uh, all right, just going to stop there. And let's talk about Iran for a moment. You see what's happening in Afghanistan. You see the religious fanaticism of the Taliban. And now afresh of ISIS. And we've seen it of Al-Qaeda. And Israel sees it on a regular basis from Hezbollah, which is funded by Iran. And Hamas, which is also helped by Iran. And yes, you have many Iranians who are more moderate Muslims, many who have become secular but are forced outwardly to live and look like Muslims, many who in the underground church have become Christians, many who want to see the overthrow of the radical Islamic government, which has led Iran since the late 1970s, beginning with Ayatollah Khomeini. So there are many that want to see reform come. There are many that want to see change come. But right now, the leadership of Iran, the most religious leadership, is also fanatical. And there is, because they are Shiites, and for example, in in Saudi Arabia, they're Sunni. Iraq is Shia and Sunni. But most of the Islamic world is Sunni. The the minority is Shia. But many of them have an end-time mentality, kind of their own eschatological viewpoint. And they're, they're waiting for the, the final imam to be revealed, the mahdi, the, the, the redeemer. And, and with that, they have kind of more of an end-of-the-world mentality that other Muslims might have. So you're, you're dealing with religious fanatics. You're dealing with those who consider Israel to be their archenemy and the Jewish people living on Muslim land. So it's like someone takes off with a man's wife and is now asleep with her and putting it on TV. Hey, look at us. We're going in this hotel together. Look at us and, and flaunting it. Well, Israel is flaunting. They're, they're living in Muslim stolen land. It's completely illegitimate. This is some of the mindset. Now you let Iran get nuclear bombs. You say, yeah, well, Israel could fight back. Yeah, you're talking about millions of deaths. You're, you're, you're talking about utterly horrific consequences. If you say, oh, hey, it's just prophesied it's going to happen. Number one, don't ever say something like that so lightly, so blithely. Well, it's just going to happen. No, not when you're talking about millions of lives. No, not when you're talking about one life, let alone millions of lives. You know, that's, that's one thing that always has shocked and grieved me, or as long as I can remember has shocked and grieved me, is when we talk about end-time events so casually. Yeah, and then this will happen, a third of the population will die. Will die. It's like, wait, wait a second. You just throw that out, just say that? So let's, let's not minimize the realities here and, and the, the potential loss of human life 
absolutely staggering. And, and yes, Israel has nuclear weapons, and there's no way that Israel is going to use them in an offensive way. Israel would only use nuclear weapons if their own country was, was about to be destroyed by nuclear weapons or was attacked in, in, the, in that way. But you have others that would use nukes. Look, if, 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 you have suicide, if, if you have suicide bombers, if you have people who train for years for the 9-11 suicide mission, I mean, went to Pensacola, Florida, and went to the Naval School, and, and, and learned to fly planes, and did all that, specifically worked for years to get to that point. I mean, think of how long Osama bin Laden planned this out. The amount of years, the, the amount of these people living double lives to get to that moment which culminates with them killing themselves along with many others. Or, as I've read, that there was a long list of, of young men in Gaza waiting to be given the privilege of blowing themselves up. And then, of course, Islamic theology being martyred in the cause of Allah and, and going to paradise and enjoying 70 virgins and so on and forever, perpetual virgins and feasting. and se- I mean, that's, that's the dream. What a demented, what a demented vision. But if you have people waiting online to sign up, I I watched a a powerful documentary about Iran and Ayatollah Khomeini and the rise of radical Islam in the modern world. And there's there's one man, and he would regularly visit the, the cemetery where his two brothers were buried, they died fighting against Iraq. Even though Iraq was Islamic, Iraq was not as religious, and Iraq was led by Saddam Hussein, so this was a holy war. Iran against Iraq was a holy war. And two of the brothers were killed. And what they, what they would do is they, they recruited kids, I mean 13, 14 years old, by the thousands, and their job would just be to run in front of the army. And the Iraqi soldiers would just have to mow them down. So psychologically, it was difficult to do that, for them to slaughter so many kids. And, and then it was taxing with weapons and ammunition and everything like that. But that was their job, run first and get slaughtered by the thousands. It was a terribly costly war. So this brother is there mourning. He goes regularly to mourn. This was a documentary from years ago. He goes regularly to the cemetery to mourn. Why? What blemish was there in me, he wonders. What sin was there in me that Allah did not allow me to be martyred and my brothers were martyred? I mean, this, this is the mentality, friends. It's a very, very different mentality. There were, there were terrorists in Spain. It was after 9-11, a horrific terror attack in Spain that took many, many lives. And they were telling the people there, while well, you'll never defeat us, they said, you love life, we love death. Now, I've seen Muslim leaders renounce that. I've seen Muslim leaders, I'm talking about devout Muslims, and conversations in Arabic, translated into English, saying, where did we get this idea from? And this is so perverted and wrong and loving death and, and others renouncing the suicide bombing. So you have other voices in Islam. But you have enough of these who fanatically embrace these principles. And... Yes, when these people get born again, and many are, large numbers of Muslims are coming to faith all around the world. And, and I, I don't doubt for a second that behind the scenes in Afghanistan, God is working in ways beyond what we know. And I've heard some amazing stories secondhand. So someone from Afghanistan 
shared this with a friend who then shared it with me. So I'm talking about actually an Afghan, a Muslim, came to faith and sharing their miraculous story. And, I mean, wild stories. They shared it with a friend who then shared it with me. So it's, you know, reliable sources. But I have no doubt that God's moving mightily behind the scenes. I have no doubt that many are coming to faith. I don't doubt that at all. I also don't doubt the level of fanaticism that's there. And although there is a possible way to read the Quran and to read Islamic theology in a way that emphasizes peace and coexistence, the larger argument through history has been that you see things by way of context, uh, conquest, that Islam grows by the sword, by military expansion. As, as my friend Dr. James White has pointed out, that Islam begins with Muhammad as a spiritual leader, and then he becomes a political leader, and then he becomes a military leader. And therefore, the three have always joined together in Islam seamlessly. Uh, like we say, there is no separation between Islam and state, uh, between mosque and state in conservative Islamic countries. So, friends, this is what we're up against. This is what Israel's up against. This is why Iran remains a major issue. But God is not sitting on his throne wringing his hands. He is ruling and reigning and looking to us to cry out to him to work together for the redemption of several billion people on the planet. Okay, we come back. We're going to talk to you about a dangerous error in Christian Zionism. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us on Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. Do you get my emails? Boy, if you don't, can I really encourage you to take a moment. As soon as you have a break, if you're driving, obviously, wait till you have a break. But grab your cell phone, get your computer, tablet out. Go to askdrbrown.org, A-S-K-D-R-Brown.org, and sign up for our emails. When you do, you'll immediately get a free mini book, an e-book, Seven Secrets of the Real Messiah. It, it really takes years, years of research and, and breaks it down into seven amazing points. You'll enjoy that. You'll get some emails right after that sharing more about my own testimony from LSD to PhD about the three R's of our ministry, the third being redemption in Israel, the first revival in the church, second gospel-based moral and cultural revolution in society, the third redemption in Israel. And then we'll let you know every week, here are our latest articles, videos, because we put out so many resources, sometimes it's hard to keep track. This way we'll let you know. You can see what's of best help to you. So take a moment. Son of our emails, askdrbrown.org. Do that and you will be blessed. The meeting between Prime Minister Bennett and President Biden that was supposed to take place, it would have been 6 p.m. today because of the Kabul attack has been put off until tomorrow. Okay, I want to get to a call or two before we're done. But first, 
I was talking to a friend, colleague, John Burness, a Jewish Voice Broadcast, longtime friend, one of our board members. And we were talking about an error that's become increasingly common in Christian Zionism that says that you do not share the gospel with Jewish people now. That this is not the time for that. This, this, this is not the error for it. It's when the church is, quote, taken out. That's what many believe. That if Jews get saved now, it is, as one Christian Zionist leader said, by revelation, not by proclamation. Of course, our answer is the revelation comes by proclamation. Yeah, God can reveal himself in different ways like he did to Saul of Tarsus and certain Muslims at certain times, but the revelation comes through proclamation. Romans 10, how can they hear without a preacher? All of us that got saved, so many of us Jewish believers, someone shared the gospel with us. Oh, I know some that had sovereign visitations, but for every one of those, I could tell you about 100 or 1,000 that got saved by someone sharing the gospel with them. I spoke with some of them when there's the controversy about God TV launching Shalanu, a Hebrew-speaking gospel outreach network in Israel for the first time. It's going to be on TV, all Hebrew-speaking, etc. And it was being produced, the vast majority of the content, lo- local Christian Arabs, local Messianic Jews, and so on. And outcry against it. And there were Christian Zionists who spoke out against it. What? Why are you speaking out against Israeli Messianic Jews sharing the good news of Yeshua with their own people in Hebrew in Israel? Shouldn't you stand behind that? You might not get involved with that because as a Christian, you're saying, hey, we're standing with Israel, supporting with Israel, but we're we're engaged in humanitarian work, etc., and we're not seeking to proselytize, but just politically we want to stand with Israel and raise Christian support for Israel. Okay, I understand that. Like if you were having asked the local Jewish community to come and say, hey, we want to show our support and solidarity uh, for Israel, well, you're not going to do that and then preach the gospel to them for 45 minutes. That, that would be insulting and wrong and a setup that would be, that would be deceptive. It's one thing to say, hey, we follow Jesus. We want everyone to follow Jesus, but that's not what this meeting is about. This meeting is to stand with you. Great. Go ahead. I understand that. But I spoke to some of these people firsthand, Christian Zionist leaders, and, and what they said shocked me, that at the end, God will open their eyes. At the end, Jewish people will be saved, but not now. What do you mean not now? Paul said in every generation there's a remnant according to grace. Be it a Paul, be it a me or a John Burnus or the hundreds of thousands from what we know of Jewish believers around the world. What, what? And just at the end, some magical moment happens without the witness of believing Jews and Christians for, for years and years and years and years and years. You say, well, what's so dangerous about that? What's so dangerous is you don't share the gospel with people today. What's so dangerous is that people that need to hear about Yeshua don't hear about him. What's so dangerous is that if, if, if you were a Christian friend of mine and you had this idea before I was saved, you wouldn't share the gospel with me. And I'd die in sin and be lost. What a horrible teaching. What a horrible doctrine. And, and the, the, the gospel remains, Romans 16, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. So it is a real dangerous, really wrong, really heretical belief. And as many of my friends in Jewish ministry say, this is the most anti-Semitic thing you could do is withhold the good news of the Messiah from a Jewish person. So this is still there. And, and in certain circles, it's growing. So what do you do about it? Pray for the salvation of Jewish people. Ask God to use you to share the good news with Jewish people. Support ministries like ours that are on the front lines of reaching Jewish people. 
with the good news? Yeah. And you say, what about everybody else? Well, what do you think we're doing most of the rest of the time? Our own ministry, our own ministry, which supports missionaries around the world and which by God's grace through our schools has, has raised up and sent out many missionaries. So we have our missions movement, Fire International. When you support our ministry, when you give to Ask Dr. Brown, the first fruits of what comes in every month goes to reach people around the world in missions and Jewish people. First fruits goes right there. We, we support, it's been hundreds of thousands of dollars and more over the years that we have poured in by your, with your help, okay? So we're active around the world. I, I, I've, been, I've been to Israel, what, 16 times? I've been out of the United States, over 150. Our missionaries are all over the world. But we don't neglect Israel and the gospel mandate is to the Jew first. So anyway, it's a serious error. It's a very serious error. It must be combated. All right, let's go to the phones. We'll go over to Joseph in Rocky Mountain, Georgia. Welcome to the line of fire. Hello, Dr. Brown. Thanks for having me. Sure. Yeah, so um, I guess I had a more, of a more of a comment, but also it includes a question. Um, so, of course, with the rise of anti-Semitism, even you know, have uh, theologically implicated a, a Jewish antichrist. Uh, my main question is, what what is your position on the uh, the theory, we'll, we'll call it, of the uh, Islamic antichrist as being a figure as we approach and as we are coming through? Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I really don't know who the antichrist will be in terms of nationality, there have been teachings for decades that the Antichrist will be European. There are right. some yeah, who wrong. believe he'll be a Jew. And, and to me, that's not, that's not necessarily an anti-Semitic notion, rather that the Jews are waiting for the Messiah. And if there seemed to be a Messianic figure rise up among the Jewish people that brought world peace, then obviously that could be an Antichrist figure. He wouldn't be the true Messiah. But Joel Richardson's idea and others that there could be an Islamic Antichrist let me just say this. It has as much credibility as any other theory to me. And I honestly, I don't, in my view, I don't believe there's enough scripture to tell us in enough detail so that we could really surmise or guess. But one thing about the Joel Richardson theory is it, it comes up with some plausible ideas of how there could be a third temple built and where we currently have the Dome of the Rock. Because if Israel, and Israel has no intention of doing this, but if Israel demolished the Dome of the Rock and started to build Third Temple, that's the end of the world, basically. That is the final world war. Not just World War Three. I mean, the, the war to end all wars. The whole world would yeah, be sure. an absolute uh, terminal uproar. And, and there would be no, like, okay, we got through the bad time, now we just move on. So right. how could that happen? Now, some say, well... If there is a future temple that will be built, it will be built elsewhere. But to my knowledge, Scripture does speak of a future temple in Jerusalem. I don't mean a, 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 in, in a millennial kingdom built by the Lord or blessed by the Lord, but I mean before the Lord returns. It seems to me from Scripture that there will be a third temple built. So Joel Richardson's theory is, well, an Islamic Antichrist could make this arrangement with Israel and say, listen, we will give you this area and you can build your temple, and that would seem miraculous. I mean, that would, how does something like that happen? 
And then if the Muslim world would agree to it, the Jewish world, and if you could have harmony there, and so so who knows? In, in other words, you, you got to connect a lot of different pieces, almost to different puzzles, and make them fit. And when I first got saved, you know, I heard it taught a certain way, and okay, this is the Antichrist, and then the Left Behind series popularizes it a certain way. But honestly, and not to be agnostic on this, if the Bible gives us more info, I simply don't see enough information in the Bible to give me any indication that I can say with any clarity who the Antichrist will be. Again, not identifying a person, obviously can't do that now, but be it European or Jewish or Islamic or something else, some other thing we're not thinking about. I don't know, but I do know this, sir, that what we've seen with the pandemic with the push for vaccination, even if the vaccinations are good, I'm not saying either way, but with people saying you can't do this or that without being vaccinated, if you have a real world crisis, I mean a real world crisis, far worse than the pandemic, and now you can't buy or sell without certain things, but here's the one, he's going to fix the economy, he's going to, there's no more starvation and no more famine, and, and you just have to go along with this. And, and submit to this one world government, a whole lot of people will do it. You could see, and especially if he had then miraculous powers behind him. Wow. Think of that. All right, friends, that's where we keep our eyes on Jesus, the true Christ, the true Messiah. Keep your eyes on him, and you'll never follow a false Messiah. Back with you tomorrow. All your questions. You've got questions. We've got answers. Another program powered by the Truth Network.